Hi guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aiming towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! Once again, the Tigers, banish the flag on. That's a big clap, mate. So, gather round, villains, and welcome to another episode of Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. After a week away due to the international break, we're back to pour over the away trip to Leeds at the weekend as Gerard looks to prepare for another huge game next Monday night against Nottingham Forest. I'm your host, Andy, and this week Craig is away treading the boards in Philadelphia and I'm delighted to be joined again by Dan. Hello, Andy. How are you doing, mate? Very well, very well. How are you? Good. It's been a while since I've seen you. I think the last time was the Elizabethan era before we had this <laughs> unnecessary disruption to to proceed in. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was actually. Yeah, it feels uh, it feels weird saying it like that, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's, it's an entire lifetime ago. Yeah. But but some things don't change, including Aston Villa's performances. No, absolutely, and uh, we'll we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly get into that now and. Um, Villa went to Leeds, as I say, to to take to take on Jesse Marsh's um, outfit. Um, quite a new new looking Leeds team, really. But but Villa had one or two changes in their ranks as uh, Ludwig Augustinsson came in to replace Luca Dean, who was injured. Um, Young continued at, at right back um, in place of, of, of Matt Cash, who's, who remains injured, although I think he's back in training. And of course, Douglas Louise. Uh, came back into his familiar uh, defensive midfield position for the injured uh, Bubakar Kamara. Coutinho, Watkins and Bailey kept their places up front. I think that's pro- possibly the first time the front three has, has, has remained the same for consecutive matches this season. Um, any any thoughts on the team? I mean, it was a, a familiar lineup, really, apart from the, the injury replacements. Yeah, and I mean, the injuries continued during the match, didn't they? We're starting to look like a team stuck together with gaffer tape at the moment, given the amount of bodies we're missing. But, um, I mean, Ashley Young continues to defy defy the years by playing spectacularly every week. I, I was excited to see Augustinson play and, and upset for him that he, he picked up the early yellow and then the hamstring injury soon after. It, it, it I kind of had the feeling of one of those days for us where, where we kind of lost more bodies than we introduced. But, I mean, at this point, I think Gerard's lucky to get 11 fit players out. So I'm not not arguing about which of those, uh, which 11 players he's choosing. Yeah, certainly defensively. I think, um, I think up front we've, we've, we've got, um, you know, an embarrassment of riches, really. Lots of, lots of forward players on the bench, but we, we do seem to be scratching around a little bit at the back, although, you know, and, and particularly, I suppose, in the fullback areas, you know when you're obviously now missing our our two recognised left backs who um, who are both injured, like you say, Augustinson um, picked up a, a hamstring injury um, in the game, and you know we are we are down now to Ashley Young, aren't we at left back? So um, and he did go down briefly, didn't he? <laughs> in, the, in the second yeah, half, I was worried for him when he went down. I, I was starting to think Freddie Gilbert might get a call. Things are that desperate now that. Goodness. Uh, can, We're looking at our backup, backup fullback. Can he do it? Can could he, could he do a job at left back? Do you think Gilbert? He's, you know, oh God, could he do an he do a job at right back? So left back <laughs> might be a stretch for him. But I was going to ask you about the front line actually, because because you say an embarrassment of riches up front, and I was I was looking at this one and and increasingly thinking that we're almost tied to playing a certain three, like the strikers is obviously a debate, and then it's one of Coutinho or Buendia, but I think like. Leon Bailey's place is nailed on whether he plays well or not because he's the only attacker we have outside of Young who brings some genuine pace with him. And I think he he offers that threat in behind. He's almost like Villa's nuclear deterrent in the fact that teams, even though we're not going to use him and, and even though he doesn't play well, teams worry that we might use him and we might threaten him behind with him. So they drop off that little bit more. And 
interestingly, since the departure of El Ghazi and Traore, both of whom we could have probably used in this match, we, we don't have another player like that. So I feel like it doesn't matter if Leon Bailey plays well, plays terribly, he's going to be nailed on for the foreseeable future because he's the only player who almost brings balance to our front line. Yeah, it's funny though, isn't it? Because it's it's it, it's a strange, a bit of a lopsided balance, isn't it? Because because Coutinho clearly isn't, you know, he starts off the left, but he 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 very much drifts inside, and I'm guessing that Buendia would be similar in that regard. I mean, we we spoke about it in the last show with with Craig, where you know I'm very much of a, of the view that at the moment I don't think either Coutinho or Buendia. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, certainly, you know, Buendia certainly comes on and, and makes a difference. Um, but I don't think either either of them are really what we need in that front line. Mm-hmm. I think what we need is pace. And I'm a I'm a big advocate for playing um, for playing Ramsey further forward, um, as we as we did, you know, with 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 Jack Grealish a couple of years ago, who was playing in midfield and you know left us a little bit a little bit light in there move him into the front line. And he kind of did it against Man City. Um, and I thought it worked really well. I think just makes us a little bit more direct. And like you say, it gives gives a little bit of a threat in behind. But Gerard doesn't seem to want to want to go that route. And um, I certainly think, I, I agree, I think Bailey sort of has to play really. Um, and Watkins, you know, I mean, we'll talk about Watkins in a bit, but I think I think um, he's he's whatever else he does, he he does a great job leading that line. So yeah, I think I think really you're looking at that left side as the the place where you might rotate. And for me, I'd pick Ramsey there myself, and mm-hmm. and and add an extra kind of more defensive midfielder, Dendonka, possibly or or whatever in there. So um, yeah. I, I think that's it, and uh, but it's interesting. I think I think yeah, we'll talk about the the strikers in a little while, in the, the forwards in a little while. But it's just you know, it seems whoever plays at the moment, it's 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 difficult, isn't it? Um, it's, they seem to have a difficult day, but I mean, it was it it was a scrappy kind of kind of first half, really lacking in you know a lot of quality. I think Villa probably shaded it on chances. Um, there was certainly a couple of chances for Watkins. Um, who was who was through one was probably better than the other really, and the keeper did well. There was a bit of a snapshot from Bailey; just he just put it down the goalie's throat. And Coutinho, I thought, at times looked more effective, but again, we, we're just struggling to get him on the ball as much as we need to, I think. And you know, he's he's he again is he's kind of snatching at things a little bit when he gets gets into the game. Um, but Leeds. The main sort of feature I thought was Leeds struggling to really make too many inroads, and I thought the mid, the mid our midfield were were on top really, winning the ball back quite quite high up at times, and you know looking quite lively in that press. And um, the defense obviously were were well organized. I think since since the Arsenal game, it, now we've only conceded that one goal to Haaland, which is clearly no disgrace. Um, <laughs> Just it's actually a good thing to keep it down to one when he's around. Um, but there's been a clear focus on improving je- um, defensively, and 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 players like Mings, Konza, and and Ashley Young have really stepped up and and showed some leadership in that area. But we, you know, it's been quite a busy October coming up. Um, how vital do you think this defensive solidity could be um, in terms of stabilising the season a little bit now? Yeah, I mean. Clean sheets get you a point. It's kind of, I'm not speaking rocket science here. You, you go in and you don't concede, you're going to get a point out of the game. And it's, it's what Dean Smith's Villa did during that lockdown season so well, is we kept games tight and sometimes we snuck a goal or two and took three points. And, and that's the secret to success in the Premier League. If you've got a good, good defence, you're going to move up the table. And so I think Gerrard has to be applauded for that. As, as regular listeners will know, I'm no Gerrard fan, but... One of the criticisms we had of him was that his team was so wide open, we were so easy to score against. And the Arsenal game was was proof of that. They could have scored six or seven easily against us. My only concern is we seem to have flip-flopped entirely the opposite direction. We've gone from a team that was wide open but looked like we might score 
to a team that's tight at the back but don't look like we have a clue of how to score. And that's not a good place to be in either. The, the sweet spot is somewhere in the middle where you lock down the back and you still look like you're going to score goals. And, and I think the problem at the moment is perhaps under Dean Smith, when we locked it down at the back, you could rely on Jack Grealish to create a bit of magic for you. And in theory, as you say, with Coutinho, we should have a player who can do that, but it's just not firing. So, so we were locking Leeds out, we locked Southampton out, and, and we restricted City, but we're not capitalising on those games. I mean, I think we were lucky against Southampton. They were a terrible team on the night, and, and we weren't much better, and we scrapped a goal. And Leeds weren't much better, and we, we couldn't scrap a goal against them. So I'm caught on the fence here, Andy. I don't know if I'm... I want to be critical of Gerard for going too much the other way and, and not knowing how to score goals now or applauding him for, for fixing the, the obvious mistakes that were there in, in the way we were lining up. But how do you view it? I think you have, to, you have to take it as a positive. Whatever of the criticisms you might have of, of Gerard and, and the other side of the game, I think, I think one way or another, him and his coaches have done a good job um, and have made the right decision to 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 plug the gaps and and to and to organise that defence better. They do say I do I do hear a lot of people saying that the and I'm no coach so I don't know, but they do say that the, the organising a defence and, and making a defence you know hard to break down is the easiest part of the game and. Mm-hmm. You know, any kind of coach worth his salt can 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 do that. Um, so, you know, is it a great thing? I mean, it's it was what was necessary. And after that Arsenal game, there's absolutely no doubt that something had to change and change quickly. And it did. And they did well and got that that really good result and performance against City. And then, you know, two 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 uh, clean sheets since then. And uh, I mean, our friend, our friend Craig would say, you know, clean sheets are the are the best thing. You know, you, you that's what you want. And but I think it's just whether you it's whether you regard these clean sheets as being hard won clean sheets by mm-hmm. by Villa because of what Villa are doing, or whether it's a little bit like they they're kind of clean sheets by default. I mean, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute. But the you know, obviously, Leeds for half the game were down to ten men. So their game plan completely changed um, in the second half. And Southampton, like you say, offered really nothing. And was that because of Villa or was that because they just didn't offer anything? Um, so it will be interesting to see when, if we have a team, you know, maybe Forest, but certainly Chelsea, who will set up to, you know, to really have a go at us, how we'll, how we'll manage that and will the defence kind of stand up to that level of scrutiny. Um, but I mean, one thing that was interesting in the week, I think Gerard was asked about about Tyrone Mings, and he's obviously been asked an awful lot about Tyrone Mings this season. But he did say that you know the way he's playing, um, and and the way the where his head at, I think as much as anything, is um, you know it's, it's it's quite surprised he's not he's been sort of frozen out a little bit by Southgate in England because. You know, he's certainly someone that can that that could go into that side and do a job. Hopefully, in the World Cup, hopefully he'll get his his chance. But I think Cons has come back as well. You know, really strong. I, I don't know what 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 you think about those things. Yeah, I liked Conza this week. I think in in recent weeks, I mean, Tyron's quality has never been in doubt. I I think he's a superb centre back, and I think he he's always played well for Villa. He's cut a lot of mistakes out this year, but he's still there. Cons has been on the wane recently, but I thought against Leeds he was really good. And I thought he was really good in the way that he did did some of the dirtier stuff that that I think we, we saw under Dean Smith. And that he was when Leeds players went down, you could see him leaning over and yelling at them and shouting in their ears. And I mean we know this fixture's got a bit of needle behind it anyway, but but I like that from Conser. I think sometimes he's a little bit too nice, a little bit too reserved, a little bit too much of a Rolls Royce of a centre back. And and I like the fact he had that kind of grubby side to his game again. But but I don't think he had a perfect game either. I think he was slow to close people down. And I think he he quite often suffers from the fact that Tyrone Mings likes to throw himself into every challenge 
that's available wherever it is on the pitch and and Conser's left to mop things up and I think he he often stands off maybe a little bit too much as a result but I I, I like the fight I see it's what I, I enjoy watching in a back four and it's what I want to see from a team keeping clean sheets like that but as you say there's I'm not sure how much this was a clean sheet that was earned and how much it was a clean sheet that, that happened to us. The same against Southampton. And and it will be interesting to see when we're up against bigger challenges because, honestly, I, I could see Leeds with 10 men scoring against us. So I can see Chelsea. I can see Forrest scoring against us. And I think my bigger worry here is is the changes you mentioned in, in terms of plugging the holes, tightening up the defence. These are things we should have seen at the start of Gerrard's tenure. You know, it was clear we were conceding too many goals. He he talked himself about the gaps between players and between lines. This is something he should have done a year ago, but instead we we've wasted twelve months on this crackpot scheme of having fullbacks as our furthest players forwards and midfielders dropping into fullbacks and this complicated possession football, which which would be great if it came off, but that hasn't come off, and so. It almost feels like we've wasted a year and we're only just getting back to the basics that, that Dean Smith couldn't find again and, and that Gerard was brought in to find. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's the problem. The play the players are you know, and, and particularly that midfield, probably aside from Douglas Lewis, he's obviously a very good ball player, but you know, McGinn and Ramsey particularly, their strength is 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 getting in, winning the ball and springing forward. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 getting getting into good positions and that sort of thing. They're not possession footballers. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not made for that. Really, I've always said McGinn is a, you know, is a is a ball carrier. Who's pro- perhaps is perhaps less of that in the last year or two. But that certainly was his his strength. He used to run with the ball and 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 make ground. Jacob Ramsey is is the same. That's why I think he should play. He should play in the front three because. You know, he just attacks the the penalty area so so well, you know, so aggressively. So um, we don't have the midfielders to play that that style of football. And but he's even with that, he's still insistent on picking those midfielders. He could change it. He could play different midfielders. Um, perhaps less so now. Camera's injured, but it's he seems to stick with those, even though he knows. Or it's it's clear that they're they're not that those type of players, you know. But this this game, you know, I think I think it was a bit more suited to to Ramsey and and to McGinn. And I thought McGinn had a had a had a pretty good game, really. I thought he was certainly it's a bit shaky to start with, but I certainly think I think he grew into the game and um, became more effective. Had a couple of shots, which I always like to see from him because. I like to see him popping up in those those positions. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's difficult. But I think for, for a start, he can't play he can't play those attack those attacking fullbacks the way he wants to because Ashley Young and uh, and and Augustinson probably aren't going to do it. And now, I mean, Young's going to get probably get a run at left back now, isn't he? So, you know, he's, he's he has to be a little bit more conservative in that regard. I think. Um, Yes, I mean, you know, we'll just have to see, but I think, I think, um, you know, our main, our main focus is going to be in the in the in the forward areas, isn't it? But um, I mean, it was. What did you think of the the first half generally? Not 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 much quality. Yeah, it it struck me as not one for the neutral, shall we say? It's it's kind of four thirty kickoff on Sky on a Sunday after that Manchester derby that was was a thrilling watch. It felt very much like after the Lord Mayor's mm. show. It was it was a drab affair, and what it showed me is the golfing quality between where both Leeds and Villa are and, and where the top of the table is. I mean, we started this season, well, we started last season with aspirations to climb up the table, and I think we've realised over the last twelve months just how big a golf that is, and and that's what I saw in this game. Two two teams with some pretty decent players, but but no real idea of how to use them and no real identity. I mean, Leeds seems to be angry and that comes from Jesse Marsh getting sent, sent to the stands last, last time out. So, so constant shots of him up in the gantry this time round. And, and they seemed more intent on fouling Villa players than, than actually progressing the ball. And 
And Villa looked like we were more interested in the battle too. We were flying into challenges, maybe a little bit more reserved than Leeds were, but but we seemed more interested in the fight than we were in the game of football. And and that's that's the overriding feeling I took away from this. It felt like a championship match, to be honest with you. It's that it was two teams going at each other with very little quality on the show. And and probably that's what it is, is a championship match. I just think there's there's teams of worse quality below us in the league, fortunately, to stop us getting drawn into a fight. But um, yeah, I, it's very lacking in quality, which is odd when you've got a player like Philip Coutinho on the pitch and, and odd when you've got a player like Leon Bailey on the pitch. And yeah, it, it was a bizarre one. I, I didn't enjoy watching it. And I was saying to you before we started recording, I was really looking forward to this match. It's one of those versus leads. It's obviously got a lot of recent history. And I, I was settled down, finished my work for the day, made my lunch and well, late lunch and, and settled down to watch it and then basically took a nap on the couch because it was such a snooze fest, especially that first half. And I just, the, following on from the Southampton game, which was more of the same and you were unfortunate enough to actually be there for that one, it's, it's not fun watching Villa at the moment, is it? But then you can only beat what's put in front of you and I feel like Leeds set out to spoil the game rather than win it themselves. So. Yeah, it was interesting because Jesse Marsh said after the game, didn't he, that he felt that it was Villa that did that. Villa were, were trying to slow the game down. and Like that's some sort of, um, you know, crime. That's what, I mean, every single time I go to Villa Park and watch a game where Villa are winning, or sorry, not it's be the other way around, if Villa aren't winning, that's what you get. You get those spoiling tactics and, you know, and it, and it is really frustrating. It's It's rubbish to watch. They've got to do something about it, I think, but, you know that's the way it goes, but I did. I felt like, if anything, Villa were the opposite. Villa were the ones trying to, you know, tr- desperately trying to get a goal because, you know, after the sending off, which uh, we'll talk about in a sec. But th- you know that that was, you know, really, really what they need. They needed to go win the game. You know, a draw wasn't really good enough, was it? But it was. Um, it was an interesting uh, sending off. Sinistera, uh, forty-eight minutes in, second yellow. For, for blocking a free kick. I can't even remember the first yellow, to be honest. But, I mean, is this is this okay as a sending off? You know, kind of sport the game, really. Yeah, I mean, if I was a Leeds fan, I'd be furious with him. And I know Leeds fans were, were furious with the referee, but as Angie Hinchcliffe, I think it was on Sky, was saying, they, they were two yellow card offences. I think the first one was a was a silly tackle, if I remember correctly. And, I mean, there was always a red card coming in this game, but I thought it was going to be for a late challenge, mm. not for two innocuous offences. And it's it, it's immensely frustrating as as not just as neutral as as an armchair viewer to settle down and, and watch a match be spoiled like that. In the fact that you know a player, a professional, should not be sent off for those kind of offences. If it was a Villa player, I would be you'd be having to hold me back, Andy. I would be cursing his name, <laughs> demanding he never play for the team again. It was utterly ludicrous. Um, almost as ludicrous as Villa's failure to capture, well, capitalise on it. But yeah, it, it, it felt like it summed up the game per- perfectly. Kind of a, a bunch of players who'd lost their heads and had no quality either on the other end of it. It felt like a bunch of kids running around a park, you know, where you boot the ball and all the kids chase it and it's just a bundle of bodies chasing the football yeah. around the field. That's exactly what it felt like. And it felt both of those bookings for Sinestra felt like telling bookings in that kind of game. But I, I think the point you all may be gearing at is that it almost spoiled it for Villa because we looked better against 11 men, ironically, than we did against 10 men. Yeah, well, I felt that. I felt that um, almost we'd have been more likely to win the game if it had carried on in, that, in the, the pattern that it was because Leeds were obviously having a go and I thought they were leaving a lot of holes. They looked very loose on the ball. Um, not very, not particularly disciplined, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think Villa's midfield had had the better of it. And you know, I think I think against eleven men, you almost, you know, I think we create one or two more big chances and 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 and, and possibly win the game. But um, yeah, I think it, it. I mean, it like you say, it summed up the game. It was a ridiculous red card, wasn't it? And. Yeah, the ref has no choice under those circumstances. Yeah. It's not. It's not a bad sending off. It's just disappointing, you know, from from 
I mean, I wasn't disappointed. I was quite pleased at the time, but you know, from a from a from the game point point of view, to see that sort of thing. But I think it was just the reaction. He just stuck his leg up, didn't he? As the as, as the free kick was taken, and he wasn't he wasn't the full ten yards. Um, but uh, you see you see that sort of thing a lot, and it, it you know there was arguments about whether you know Villa more Villa players needed to be booked for various things as well, and. I think maybe we have the better of the refereeing decisions on the day as well. Yeah, I thought he refereed it quite well, actually. And I'm not just saying that with my Villa hat on, but I think it's interesting from the Leeds perspective is is how much teams are a reflection of their manager. And we've seen Jesse Marsh's histrionics on the sideline, and it's a little bit pantomime from him. And you start to see that filter into the team. It was it was niggly, it was petulant, it was a silly sending off, and that, that comes from the top down. And I think, to be honest with you, we've, We've seen it with Villa, but without the cards. I think, if I remember correctly, against Arsenal, we flew out of the blocks, kind of crunching into some horrendous challenges. And it was similar in this game. And and it does worry me that that, that potentially this was a derby between two managers whose only bit of advice to the lads is to go out and get into them. That's the the lengths of their tactical advice scrawled on the chalkboard before the game is just a big cross. And it's like, get into them as quickly as you can. But... It all feels a little bit 1980s. All you needed was a muddy pitch and, you know, maybe a pole tax riot or something, which might be around the corner. But we could we could be back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it does feel, yeah, it, it's, it's going that way, isn't it, Dan? But, um, <laughs> you know, we don't want to depress people on, on here too much. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I thought clearly after the, after the red card, Villa, Villa dominated the game as you'd expect and I think they were finding all sorts of space you know in the Leeds half you know Leeds Leeds kind of they did go back into a, a sort of shape but I think they struggled to contain Villa th- to some degree Villa were you know still a little bit pedestrian um, although created a few chances I thought Coutinho was very unlucky hit the bar with a, a really good volley um, it was a cross. Was it Conzo crossed it? Or was it ba- no Bailey crossed it? I think it, it might have been, yeah. Um, and he he hit the bar, and then I mean, how how Watkins missed that follow up, I, I don't know really. Um, Buendia came on, and I thought he made a he made a real impression on the game. Yeah. Certainly to start with, you know, he was he was really trying to get on the ball and and, and get things moving, and you know, he had a, he had a really good effort. Really unlucky not to score. Yeah, it just sort of. Swerved away at the last at the last second, um, that shot from from range, and there was you know one or two more sort of openings for for, for Watkins as well. Um, but then of course you know you nearly you almost it almost cost you dearly because Leeds very nearly nicked it in in injury time when uh, Bamford went through and 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 put it on a plate for Click really, and you know there was a good good bit of defending which uh, which stopped it. Stopped them scoring, but you know, for all the good work defensively, you know that that lack of finishing and the you know the the poor final ball and and all that sort of thing, you know, nearly cost Villa the match. So, I mean, Ollie Watkins was probably the the man most responsible. Um, as I said before, he, he he does lead the line really well. He offers us so much in that in that position, more so than. Possibly Ings or Archer would do, um, but he just he's, he's he's just got no confidence in front of goal, as he? he's he's really struggling when he gets in on one on one. You never back him to score, you know. I'm just one, you know. Do you, do you think he's more more of the problem or more of the answer um, in that area of the pitch at the moment? I mean, if he's not the answer, we don't have many other players who could be the answer. I think that's maybe the problem we have right now. Um, Danny Ings obviously could come in, but Danny Ings isn't a lone striker and he hasn't played well for Villa. I think Ollie Watkins is a player bereft of confidence, but he's also a player who isn't being used in the right way by Gerrard. We, if, you know, you look back through Ollie Watkins' career, he, when he scored goals, he's played as a striker in a 4-2-3-1. Kind of, I think under Dean Smith in that season, he had uh, Ross Barkley behind him and, and when he was at Brentford too, he was in a 4-2-3-1. He's not a lone striker as such in a 4-3-3 and we 
we seem to, under Gerard be looking at Ollie Watkins as almost a hold-up man. We're kind of pinging direct balls into him and asking him to hold it up and let players run off of him. And that's not his game. It's never been his game. And sure, he's not a clinical finisher, but he was always a numbers man. He'd run in behind enough times that he'd get a goal. And I mean, what did he score? 14 goals in his first season yeah. in the Premier League? So we know he can do it. Um, the trick is to to give him the ammunition so that he can do it. And and that's what I find kind of baffling at the moment. We we simply don't have enough goal scorers in the squad, especially after selling the likes of El Ghazi and Traore, as I said. And so it all falls on Ollie Watkins and Leon Bailey, and and neither of them are in form right now. And the problem is you take them both out of the team and, and there's no goals whatsoever. I think it, it's telling that we look like a worse team when Jacob Ramsey came off because he's our only other direct threat. Um, and even he's not a prolific threat either. So... It, it, it's worrying. I mean, obviously fans will get on Jacob Rand, um, Ollie Watkins' is back, but I don't know what more the guy can do. He, he runs his ass off. He, he tries to link up with players. Sure, he blows chances, but we're not playing to his strengths at the moment. But I, I don't know. It, it, it's such a tricky one because if he is the problem, I don't know what the alternative is. Yeah, I mean, I know um, Gerard was asked... Um, quite directly about Cameron Archer after the game by Ashley Priest from, from, from Birmingham Live and, and he was saying <laughs> Ashley Priest was saying that um, Gerard was, was, was very prickly with him, you know, gave him a quite a sarcastic response, you know sort of insinuating that that's all Ashley Priest ever asks him is about Cameron Archer you know it's a reasonable question though isn't it you know, yeah. you've got a guy there you know, a young lad who's absolutely dead keen to to get on, and, and you know he's got a he's got a knack of scoring a goal. And when you need a goal, certainly late on, I can understand him bringing Danny Ings on first. But to 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 keep Archer sat on the bench, you know, throughout that last ten minutes and injury time, I thought was was a bit bizarre, really. Um, yeah, I think he's. He said he's 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 perhaps only trained once, but we're not talking about him playing even forty five minutes. We're talking about him playing, you know, sort of seven, eight, nine minutes at the end of the game, where you know all you're asking him to do is is you know is is sort of lead the line and and and, and sit on the last defender and, and try and get in behind, and that's you know that's it really. Um, Surely, surely that's worth that's worth a go. It's just, it's a, it's an odd sort of tactical tactical decision, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I think Gerard's substitutions in general need criticising. I think um, Buendia looked good when he came on, but waiting till eighty three minutes to bring Danny Ings on was a strange one. And I think it was clear that our out ball all, all second half when when they'd gone down to ten men was was. Esri Consa, who I'm sure Leeds didn't mind being our out ball. Yeah. I mean, he's not an overlapping right back. As good a fullback as he is when we need to put him there. So it, he didn't change it up. That was clearly where the space was. And, and sure, the bench wasn't exactly rich with talent, but that's when a good manager, I think, changes things up. I, you know, I, I, hate, I always go back to Dean Smith. I'm sorry, listener, I can't help it. But I think of but the game, I can't remember, was it against Rotherham in the Championship? We went down to 10 men and, and he changed it up tactically to some obscure formation I'd never seen before and won the match for us. And, and obviously Dean Smith wasn't a tactical genius, but you see it from the Premier League's best is, is when the opposition have, have gone down a man, they, they adjust things. And, you know, maybe you put a winger at right back so they're not going to have to do much defending. Although that said, we don't have many wingers either. But whatever it is... The, it was clear where the space was and we didn't adjust to it. But you say tactically, that's what worries me. Whether it's Archer, Ings, Watkins, I don't think we have a striker to play as a lone striker. And I think I'm baffled as to why we haven't tried a 4-2-3-1. I think in, in Buendia, we have a player who could play the, the Ross Barkley role, if we're, we're going to term it that, from Dean Smith's system. You know, Bailey can go on the right, Coutinho on the left. We know that McGinn and, and Louise can play as a double pivot and then the back four just does their job. And and I think given the lack of goals we've got, the more guys we've got providing the bullets for them, the better. And it, it's just incredibly odd to me that we've not seen at least Gerard try that formation during these current woes. Yeah, I think as well. And even having having that extra defensive midfielder 
um, in Dendonka. I, I mean, I'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. where he would would fit in this in this team at all because we, you know, he, he's traditionally played as a, I think, as a defensive midfielder and a and a a defender in a in a back three. So um, it's a bit of a, you know, again, you look at it and you say, you know, is this a player that Gerard wanted? You know, is this mm-hmm. is this someone that's been landed on him? A bit like possibly Saar would have been. You know, yeah. it's, there was some 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 odd kind of things going on in those last few days of the transfer window. Um, but yeah, I, I I kind of agree. Um, you know, I I think, I mean, in in Archer's case, I think if he's if he's going to play, he has to play possibly in a front two with Watkins. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not sure how how ready he is to to lead the line and do that. You know, for from the start in a game in the in the Premier League, really. But until 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 he does it, we're not going to know, are we? And unfortunately for Gerard, you know, he can he can, you know, he can complain all he likes, but he's going to be continued to ask be asked these questions if the if the strikers are misfiring and you've got a guy who's um, proven proven finisher sat on the bench. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, and I think. Cameron Archer's maybe earned his chance, not not through his own abilities, but because our other strikers are misfiring. And I, I tell you what, Gerard right now reminds me a lot of the days under Alex McLeish, and that you've got a manager who doesn't really fit with the club, no, he isn't particularly well loved, and is doing all he can to not lose games rather than go out and win games. And I mean, you can even look at Bailey as an Inzogbia figure, even like shunted out in the right and expected to work miracles. And and that's exactly what we look like at the moment to me, a stodgy team that's set out not to lose games rather than, than not win games. And it's, it, it's really bizarre to watch because he came with this reputation of being a bold attacking manager who put a definable style of play on things. And we just haven't seen that. And, and whether it's his own fault or someone else's, who knows anymore. But it's, it's not fun to watch. But I feel like we're being super negative despite the fact we're an unbeaten in free and and haven't conceded for 180 odd minutes well we had this this problem two weeks ago with with craig we we were discussing a win and and we were both thoroughly miserable for for the whole podcast (laughs) and you know um but i i I feel like we're we're reflecting a bit of the mood as well you know if Things are going well. You know they're going well, don't you? You can watch the game um, within the context of of because we follow we follow the club every week. You know we 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 understand the context of of what we're watching, and we can make a judgment on it. And if it doesn't feel right, it's going to be reflected, isn't it? If we were, you know, if we'd won last night two or three nil, we'd beaten Southampton by a couple. You know, you kind of st- start to think, well. Yeah, I think things are improving. That's a, you know some good wins, beating teams we should beat, and you know maybe we're turning a corner. But you know it doesn't it doesn't feel like that. And I mean we might as well you know <laughs> talk about about Gerard really because it is it is three unbeaten, one goal conceded. Um, we're sat fourteenth in the league, eight points from eight games. Point a game keeps you up, I think. Um, just about. Um, just yeah, yeah. There's like you say, a clear change of strategy. This this isn't this isn't how Gerard envisaged things going, is it? Clearly, from what he was talking about last season, about the style of play he wanted to to implement, the type of mentality he wanted to 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 foster at the club, and you know that that winning at all costs sort of mentality, which he talked a lot about, and getting the right personnel in. This clearly isn't what he what he wanted to be doing, and and talking about, you know, using the phrase "we've turned a corner," you know, because of because he's had to basically go back to defensive pragmatism. Um, you know, seems a bit odd, really. It's a it's a very much a change of 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 language from him, isn't it? It's very much a change of of attitude, I think, that we're seeing. Um, it appears that the, the the goodwill of the fans is is diminishing, um, and whilst results are better, it's it's hard to see where these meaningful improvements can kind of come from over the season. 
you know, do you think do you think Gerard is is failing with these the players he has at his disposal disposal or are our expectations a bit high, particularly considering some of the injuries we've got at the minute? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned he talked about turning a corner. I, I don't think we've turned a corner. I think we're stuck on a roundabout and can't find our exit. I mean, this club has been in stasis for 12 months. It's, we, we sacked Dean Smith, who had a better record at this stage last season, if I'm not mistaken, than, than Jared has right now, because Dean Smith wasn't delivering the meaningful movement up the table or whatever the marketing speak Perslow used was. And I think that that probably Villa and, and Ergo Gerard are, are a victim of of the talk that's come out of Villa Park is is we've been in fact very, very ambitious in the way we describe our club. We've talked about this plan to get into Europe to 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 kind of battle it out with the top seven to to get Villa back to where it belongs. And Perslow's been front and centre of this, but but also the owners have and and of course the fans, we've lapped that up. But Feels to me like we've been writing checks that that the club can't cash. We've we've tried to run before we can walk. It's it, it, you know you need to spend a long time establishing yourself in the Premier League to even have a hope of cracking the top half, let alone you know spend your way there. And I think both in terms of the managerial decision we made, I think appointing Gerard was an odd decision when we needed a proven manager, but but also the transfers we've made is you know, Danny Ings and. Philip Coutinho, it's like we've tried to to go out and buy our way to success, but not very smartly. And and I think that's as a club, we need to accept that we're going to be a mid-table club for for a little while until we build towards sustainable growth. And and that's always been my problem with the Gerard appointment is I liked the the trajectory Villa were on when we were buying young players and improving them and slowly working our way up the league. Whereas under Gerard, we've very much been a buy success now. Kind of club and and the problem with that is is if you don't succeed then then you're obviously going to be judged on that and I don't know it, it's such an interesting one because I think we all got caught up in the hype we all saw that season with Grealish and thought this is it a top half team Champions League places good times are back but it's the Premier League we're we're a mid table to lower half club at the moment and we should be thankful to be there and not to say I don't want to be higher up the league of course I do but. <sighs> We're in a really interesting situation at the moment of being careful what you wish for. All those Villa fans that wanted Dean Smith out this time last year on the idea that anyone could do a better job. Well, turns out not anyone could do a better job. And, and we've kind of ripped the soul out of the club in the process. I mean, I think part of Gerard's problem is he's not the most likable of characters. He wasn't the most likable of players and he's certainly not the most likable of managers. And you just need to check out social media for, for all kinds of reasons for that over the weekend. And I don't know, it, it's just a really odd position to be in. And I think it's an existential question that we're faced with as football fans is, do you want to succeed at all costs, knowing full well that the price of success might be failure? Or do you kind of want to enjoy what you watch? And And I probably fall into the latter camp of, if I want to enjoy watching my football team play and I want to feel connected to them. And I think under Steven Gerrard, we've gone to the dark days of Villa fanhood that we saw under the likes of Bruce and Di Matteo and, and Alex McLeish, where it's, I don't know, this, this idea that we can buy success, that pragmatism trumps everything. And I've gone way off course here, Andy, but <laughs> help me back. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I just, I've never liked the Gerrard appointment on a, on a fundamental club level, I, I always wanted to build success, not buy success. And it's turned around to come back and bite us in the ass. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, when we appointed Gerard, I wasn't entirely sure that that would be the approach. I, I, I perhaps assumed that because of, because of the, the building job he'd done at Rangers, that, that that would be his approach. And because he's a young manager, he would, he would want to do that. He would want to bring in you know, players who were on the up and who he could mould. It turns out he isn't that sort of manager at all. He wants he wants the finished article. Um and he wants them to do to do what he what he's asking them to do. And I don't think we have the squad to achieve that, to achieve his vision, unfortunately, whatever that is. Not that we've seen much of much of it. So you know, in in many ways, I I almost think that Gerard would would do it 
funny enough, would 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 do a better job if he went to Liverpool. I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think what he's doing at Villa kind of precludes him from making that step. I think with better players at a club where he is, you know, obviously idolised and carries a great deal of gravitas, I think he would do a lot better. Um, you know, because he's obviously got good ideas. He knows how, you know, he knows how he, what he wants to see and he surrounds himself with, with people in order to do that. But I think he's in a position where he's kind of on, he's almost in enemy territory at Villa. And we'll, We'll accept him, you know. We'll if he's, you know, if he buys into it and he's, he comes and d- does a good job and gives everything, then we'll accept him. But at the moment, it feels like he's 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 sort of failing on the pitch and he's having a go at journalists and he's he's being a little bit kind of um, disrespectful and it's not coming across well. You know, it wasn't just Villa fans, I think that 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 picked up on. On the, um, you know, the, the the exchange with Ashley Priest, you know, about about Cameron Archer, you know, there's been there's been issues with obviously with things he said about Tyro Mings and things like that. And don't get me wrong, I I'm not I'm not interested about my our football manager being likable. I put a tweet out about this yesterday. Football managers are generally obnoxious, you know, sods, aren't they? They. they that's what they, you know. You look at Jose Mourinho, um, you know Conte, Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp. They're all the same, you know. They they don't like being questioned. They don't like, you know. They it, it annoys them. Gerard has got that in him, with, without a doubt. But he's he can't back it up on the field. So he he's gonna be, he's gonna get asked these questions, and he's gonna he's gonna it's gonna cause him problems. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that you're right. Managers are obnoxious beasts, but but those names you mentioned have all won the trophies to prove that they're obnoxious beasts. And Stephen Gerrard won, you know, a Scottish Premier League title in a COVID ravaged season when his own fans couldn't even celebrate the title because they were under lockdown. It's, there's a very big asterisk next to that title win, and you know, winning, calling yourself a, a winning football manager because because you've won. Scottish Premier League is like me calling myself a cordon bleu chef because I've made a pot noodle. It just doesn't go together. Like one does not lead to the other. I hope there's no and Rangers fans listening. To- <laughs> <laughs> but that's the problem I have with Steven Gerrard is he did not have the track record to back it up and he still doesn't have the track record to back it up. He has not pulled up any trees at, at Villa. He has not got... If we are top half of the table and flying and, and Priest is asking him about Cameron Archer and fair enough, shut him down but it's a legitimate question to ask and I think that's the problem Gerard has right now is the results on the pitch aren't there and he's losing fans off of it too which, which begs the question Andy does he have long left or, or is he going to eke out a bit longer in the job? Well, we, I suppose none of us know where Perslow and the owners are with it, do, do we? Um, they've taken a big um, gamble on on Gerard, haven't they? And they won't want to necessarily give up on that um, too easily. Uh, I wonder if they're looking at let's get through October and see where we're at before the World Cup, um, before the break for the for the World Cup. But I said I was we were talking about it on the last podcast with Craig and. It feels like he's just going game to game. Um, the next game is always the the one. If we'd have lost, if we'd have lost against Leeds, if that last chance had gone in for Leeds, I think he'd be on very shaky ground this week. As it is, I think he's he's delayed it a little bit. But if they lose to Forest, that's could potentially even worse. And I don't think we will lose to Forest, but I think it's. It's never a good thing when you've got a manager who is going game to game where this is the this is the one if we lose this game is is toast. You know, you can't have that in a in a mid table or any any Premier League um team outside the, the top six, you have to be able to to absorb a couple of losses as a manager because that's normal. Normal to lose games and you can't have this situation where the next loss is you're out. You know, they might as well do it if that's the case. They might as well just do it and put everyone out of their misery. Um, 
the other aspect is is you know whether there's you know there's there's someone someone out there that they're looking to bring in and if that's the case you know it doesn't matter how well he does it's true and i mean i i agree with you i feel like he's going game to game and i feel like the ownership are, are hoping he almost dooms himself by going on the run of bad games that mean that they can't not sack him rather than than, than growing a pair and doing it themselves and i think the problem is like like when we we fired Dean Smith, if you're going to fire a manager, you need to have a really good plan B. You've got to have identified the manager you want to bring in and go out and appoint them. And and I'm not sure if we've done that yet. I mean, I was joking to you before we came on that, that Pochettino is still available and he's got a house in England. But I mean, much as I think that's pie in the sky, he's realistically not coming to Villa. And, and there's a very limited pool of managers that, that we're kind of fishing in for the next guy. So even if if there aren't plans to sack Gerald imminently, I hope we're doing our, our background research because, I mean, judging by the way this season's going, his, his, it's a matter of when, not if. Yeah, absolutely. But I think they need someone with a track record to come in. Um, look, I mean, we'll, we always say, don't we? Hopefully, this is... Hopefully, we are turning the corner or we find the exit on that roundabout that you talked about and, and in the next you know two or three games... You know, he puts a run together and, and things start to look a bit rosy again. And, you know, the fans will get off his back. If the results are there and the performances start coming and we start scoring goals, the fans will come back on side. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways about that. That will happen. But at the moment, he hasn't got enough credit in the bank. He needs to build it. And at the moment, that's not happening. Yeah, and I mean, I'm conscious and... and- Dear listener, you probably are too. I, I tend to be quite anti-Gerard on this podcast and always have been, but I, he isn't far away, you know, from 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 turning that corner that he's said about. I mean, you, you start keeping clean sheets, you get a tune out of Coutinho, who, who on his day can be one of the best players in the world, and suddenly you score a goal against Leeds, or you score a couple of goals against Leeds, and it and it looks like a comprehensive victory. And and we're not. It, it's ironic because we're not a million miles away from that run of games despite the injuries. And yet watching the second half against Leeds, we looked like we could have still been playing now 24 hours later and still not scored a goal. So football's a game of fine margins and, and we're not quite there yet. yet. But I, like you, I would love nothing more than, than for us to go on a run of games where we keep these clean sheets, we unlock the attacking potential and and Gerard proves us all wrong. And then fair enough, he can have a go at journalists. He can, you know, go for drinks with whoever he wants to go for drinks with. He can do whatever he wants if he's winning games. It's just until he is batting down the hatches a little bit and keep quiet. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it. And I think I think there are ways of answering these questions, aren't there? And, you know, Dean's the thing about Dean Smith as well was he was always so he was always so sort of magna, magnanimous and polite and and all the rest of it, isn't it? You know, but that's not what football managers are like generally. And maybe that was part of his part of his downfall at the club as well. But he's doing a great job now at Norwich. Um, there's no doubt about it. He's 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 um, he's really turned it round there. Difficult start to the season, and he's 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 turned it round with with Aaron Ramsey there. Apparently, doing very well as well. Oh yeah, there was a cracking piece this morning in the Athletic about Aaron Ramsey, and um, I think it's one of the first interviews he's given. And he talks about Dean Smith there, and and the impact he's had, and how Jacob Ramsey talks about him as as a manager who puts his arm around a player. And and I know you have your thoughts on this, and and feel like sometimes you do need a boot up the bum rather than just an arm around the shoulder. But but that's the one thing that we've seen with the likes of Ollie Watkins is when the chips are down, sometimes, you know, you need to put an arm around a player, even if you don't want to. It's I remember once playing football and I was yelling at my teammates, annoyed at them for doing anything. And um, and the referee actually stopped me and said, do you know you catch more more flies with honey than you do with dog muck? And it's always stuck with me. It's like, you know what, it's a good point. Sometimes you need to actually... Even though it goes against your best instincts, you have to kind of play to the players, put an arm around them, mollycoddle them a little bit to get the best out of them. And we know that Jacob Ramsey, uh, not Jacob, sorry, Ollie Watkins is that kind of player. I suspect Philip Coutinho is too, and maybe Leon Bailey. And 
And that's kind of where Gerard needs to change his spots a little bit, I think. And even though it goes against every fibre of his being, he has to be nice to the lads and, and kind of after a bad performance, instead of throwing them under the bus, actually pull them up a little bit. You know, have a video of him coming on the training pit ground while he's chanting their name or <laughs> laughing with them or sending them text messages. Whatever it is, he's got to show those man management skills. And, and yeah, maybe a little bit more honey in, in the Stephen Gerrard managerial diet could could mean we catch a few more flying. Yeah, I think I think I think possibly I just don't I don't think he's that type that type of guy. No. Unfortunately. I'm sure he's a lovely guy away from the away from the uh the competitive environment, but I just think he's fiercely fiercely um competitive and he's a, he's a, he's he's got that mentality where he, he can't he can't stand losing. It's the worst thing for him and uh unfortunately when you're manager of Villa <laughs> You have to. There's, you know, you don't want you don't want the manager to enjoy losing or accept losing, but you want them to be able to to be realistic enough to know that it is part of part of being the Villa manager. But um, he, he's 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 clearly struggling with that. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. We'll see where the next few weeks takes us. Logically, you kind of think, well, he's probably going through to the to the the World Cup break now. Um. But who knows? We'll, we'll we'll wait and see how it develops. But of course, um, Monday night quite a long wait now for the next game. But Monday night, uh, tricky away match at uh, Nottingham Forest. Um, I think the last time we played there, we beat them three one. It was part of that ten game winning run. Brings back incredible memories <laughs> of, uh, like I say, my 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 favourite time ever. I think supporting supporting the club during that that few months. Um, very difficult to know what to expect from Forest due to the absolutely massive numbers of, of new signings um, at the club, and Steve Cooper is is also a manager under pressure. Um, I believe they're playing Leicester tonight. I'm not sure how they're how they're getting on at the minute as we're recording this, but um, you know he's he's under a lot of pressure and you know really kind of struggling, I suppose, to to blend all these new signings. I mean, how do you was it 22? New players. I mean, how do you how do you even go about doing that? You know. Oh God, yeah. It's, um, yeah, at least that's that's a lot of paintball days away and, and pizza parties. That is when you've got twenty two new players yeah. coming in. Yeah, it, it's. It, I, I'm not sure he would have. I, I, I'm convinced he wouldn't have authorized probably half of those signings. But there, we, there we go. Um, but it's a must win. It feels like a must win for for, for Steven Gerrard, and hopefully we'll have Matty Cash back in the squad. Um, to sort of help out with some of those defensive issues with Augustinson looking like he's going to be out. Um, but how do you see Gerard approaching this one? How would you approach it? Um, and would another nil-nil be acceptable given sort of how poor Forrest have been recently? I, I mean, this is a must-win for Gerard. I think. I've got a soft spot for Forrest. A, a good mate of mine supports them and... and kind of remind me a little bit of Villa under Dean Smith in, in that Cooper's a, a much-loved manager who's maybe not not adjusting to the Premier League particularly well. But, I mean, if we can't beat Forrest, then, then really what's the season going to come to? So I, I suspect Gerard won't change anything. Personally, I'd, I'd, as I say, I'd go to a 4-2-3-1. I think this is the game to do it. I think you can get away with with Buendia, Bailey and Coutinho in the same team. And, and I think I'd line up with those three behind Ollie Watkins with with a two of, of maybe Dendonka Louise or Dendonka McGinn, McGinn Louise, whoever it is. But I think you against a team like Forrest, you can go a little bit more attacking and, and kind of have a go at them. And, and it would be a chance to experiment. Whether we do that or not is another thing entirely. And, and given that it's on Monday Night Football, it's got the potential to be another snooze fest as as the neutrals tune in to to kind of see that that life as a Villa fan isn't as rosy as it may be when you're looking from the outside in. But I I can't remember. Are we at home for this one? Are you going to be at Villa Park under the lights? No, it's at the City Ground. It's another away game. Um, but it? yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky one. I always think these 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 games are tricky against these. It's a, it's a it's a bit like the Bournemouth game, isn't it? You, mm-hmm. you kind of expect them to have a go at us. They have got some good players, you know. If it, if it does click on the night, you could be in trouble. Um, it's it's an, for me. It's another it's another professional job. I think you've just got to go and 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 do the basics. 
win your battles and and um and hope that you get a chance and and someone sticks it away i think i think it is like that now i think that's how that's how we have to approach these games until such time as we feel a little bit more out of the woods where we can we can we can try and or Gerard can try and sort of shape things how he wants to a little bit more but you know it's it, it just feels like um it's 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 every game is just that sort of knife edge with Villa. It would be lovely to just put a team away, wouldn't it? Sort of four or five nil, you know, and just just enjoy a game for for once and 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 feel those shackles come off a little bit. You know, that would be that would be lovely. Um, I don't see him changing too much with the system, really. And I think he may he may even try um you know try Coutinho and Buendia together for this one again. I think it it might be a good a good game to give that a go um and play them sort of as two tens beyond Watkins but you know if you try too much and it leaves you open you leave yourself open for all sorts of criticism so who knows who knows what you know what he will do but you know hopefully the uh hopefully Matty Cash will be back which will shore up the, the defence a little bit and Ashley Young will switch to to left back and you know maybe Bednarak gets a start because they thought he, he came on and did did a reasonable job in in the second half. Yeah, I mean, shout out for Bednar. I, I thought he looked very tidy when he came on. Dealt with the occasion pretty well. It, it's not easy coming on to the centre of defence midway through a game, especially one as feisty as that. I thought defensively he was solid, but more important than that, I thought his distribution was very nice. And I, I'm still staggered that Callum Chambers can't get a start in this team, given that he's probably our best ball progressor from defence. But but I'd really like to see him get a game. I thought he w- he was solid, and um, hopefully we haven't just signed him as backup. But yeah, I mean, I'd say the one challenge we've got against uh, Forest is they tend to play three at the back, and I'm not sure Villa do particularly well against the back three. It doesn't suit us to go against one, so I, I can see it being another drab nil nil. I hope it's not, but <laughs> I-, I get the feeling that it might be. Yeah, yeah, we we'll be having. Having a similar conversation next week, I dare say, <laughs> if it is. But no, I think um, you know we'll we'll see. I mean, like you say, you know, maybe the their their, their formation will um, will uh, influence how we go. But it looks like uh, just had a look, and Leicester are winning two nil. So whether Steve, oh, they? Wow. whether Steve Cooper will will survive that, it'd be such a shame. Having you know, absolute work miracles last season if he gets fired because. Because the owners signed too many players, I mean that would just be uh, it'd just be ridiculous. <laughs> it's I, I feel for him, and as I say, it's very similar to the Dean Smith thing. When they came up, they were like us, had a ton of loan players that that they basically needed to build an entirely new squad, and the fans love him, and rightfully so. And and almost you'd be happy to go down with him still in charge. Mm. He's got that credit in the bank, and I, I'd feel for them if he goes because you have a feeling then. They're only going down, except they're going down with a manager that they they don't like particularly well, kind of taking them down there. Yeah, it would be a shame. I mean, the the last season they had in the Premier League was an absolute disaster. You know, they were well well bottom of it. I think they brought in Ron Atkinson, try and save them, didn't they? And 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 that was awful. And you know, it it would be because it is. You know, they are they are such an iconic club in English football. Um, you know, but. What can you do? I mean, you know that whoever's advised them to 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 make that to to go about their transfer business in that way has 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 not done them any favors, um, and not done Steve Cooper any favors because I'm sure he didn't want that. Um, I hope he's, I hope they keep him. I hope they let him try and let him build for a little bit longer. But we'll see. We'll see. But prediction. No, no. As I say, I, I'm, I'd, I'd love to be more optimistic about this one, but I feel like I'll be settling in front of the TV and probably dozing off around half time. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm filled. Like I say, I'm filled with nostalgia about this fixture because it was, uh, it was, yeah, three one. I think when we we last played them at the City Ground, um, and McGinn got two goals. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say two nil, another one for McGinn, and uh, yeah, Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins with the second, but I'm That's going for a bold claim. I'm going, yeah, I'm going for a, I'm going for a, for a, for a, a drab game, but a two 0 win, and uh, we'll bring the points, points back, and uh, keep Gerard in the job for another week at least. 
<laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it right now. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for thanks for joining me. Anyway, uh, Dan, it's been it's been great to uh, to have you back on, and great to great to see you. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening. Um, obviously, uh, keep in touch with our our social media and and our website underagaslitlamp.com. You know, and if you are going up up to up to uh, the city ground next Monday, have a have a great night and cheer the boys on. And let's hope we bring back the points. And we'll be back next week to uh, to chew it all over and and see where we at where we're at ahead of the uh, I think the Chelsea game uh, is after that Chelsea at home. So um, all the best, stay safe, and up the Villa. <laughs>